something happens when we call you, you move, you'll never leave us. Has anybody in this house ever called on his name? When you called him, did he move? So then it would seem that those here have a track record with Jesus. If you don't have a track record with Jesus, I want to encourage you. As I used to hear him say in church when I was growing up to try. I used to go to Walmart with my mama. And every time we got there, um, I would say, Mama, can I go play the free game? I got to tell her it's free because she's going to ask. Mama, can I go play the free game? She would say, all right, yeah, you can go. Because at the gaming section of Walmart, there was always a sticker that said, try me. And when I walked into that space and I saw that sticker that said, try me, I said, oh man, it's ready. It's ready. See, there's a lot of games on the shelf. There's a lot of things that I may have wanted and I thought could be good. But the one that said, try me, I knew I had access to. I knew that was the one that no matter what happened, no matter how long mama shopped, no matter how tired my feet got, I could go where it said, try me. Some of us need to try Jesus. Because some of us have, and we know that no matter how hard it gets, no matter how deep it seems no matter how long you feel like I'm in this situation, I've been here forever. You got access. And when you try him, you may not get out of the store any faster. Your bills may not get paid any more comfortably. Your heart may still be heavy. But you've got access to Jesus. And while you're waiting, he'll be there with you. You can access his name. Something happens every time. He said, try me. Amen. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Man, I'm so excited to be with you all again here today. High Crest. Because today we continue our series in the book of Matthew called Kingdom Moves. And I have really enjoyed this book. I don't know about y'all, but it has been blessing me. I've even been going through the, uh, the, the thing on version over Matthew. And we, I went back and it's been hitting me. Old chapters have been hitting me. Um, but before we get into it and move forward, I'm just going to ask you a question. What is this? What is this? Squirrel, okay, yeah, okay. I just want to make sure y'all awake and alive with me and ready to go. That is a squirrel. Wait a second. Hold up. Hold on a second. What about now? Ah, it's a horse. You see, that's the power of perspective. Looking at the picture one way, it's a squirrel. But when you change your perspective, it becomes a horse. 
I mean, the image doesn't just look different, but the conclusions that you come to are completely different. I mean, it's a whole other animal. Now, to make things even crazier, when I downloaded this and I looked at it on my computer, the Internet said it was a rabbit. No, don't even don't even try it. Don't even try it. Some people's perspective is just wrong. (laughs) Some people's perspective is just wrong. But our perspectives really do shape our reality, don't they? How we approach Jesus shapes the big picture for us, and it changes our conclusions. You know, Matthew's audience would have seen Jesus as a prophet or a good teacher, and that perspective would have given them some problems, some problems that we don't really have today. A good teacher can teach you a task, and they can sign your grades, but they can't sign your checks. They don't have the authority. It's not their job. Matthew's audience would have seen Jesus as a good teacher, but not necessarily as God with them. So they would judge their closeness to God by their performance. They would say, you know, God can't really use them due to their lack of biblical knowledge or due to their lack of experience or due to to their lack of a track record. But we know better. You know, a good teacher can manage the classroom, but not your life. They don't have the authority. It's not their job. So Matthew's audience would have thought that there were things that they just had to power through to get back to God. You know, they would have thought that God wouldn't fix their broken relationships, their broken intentions, or their broken hearts. So they wouldn't pray about everything, only the big things, the things that God thinks are important. For everything else, they say, man, we just got to do better. We need some more willpower. Let's put some more hedge laws in there. Let's put some things in place. This isn't God's word, but maybe this will help us do better. That's how they would have felt. But we, we know better. Don't we? Or do we still think that there are some things that We wouldn't dare bring the community, bring to the church, or even bring to God because, well, that's our job to fix. Silence speaks louder than words sometimes, and I think I have a sneaking suspicion that we are actually Matthew's audience. Matthew shares these miracles with us because he wants to flip our perspective on Jesus from a religious stamp at the end of our shallow, guarded prayers to the king has the ultimate authority over our trials, our treatment, and our tragedies. A good teacher has a specific area in which they can help you, but the king, nothing happens without the king's approval. So let's make the flip today and see what this perspective of Jesus as king means for us, our trials, our treatments, and our tragedies. Here in Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 to 34, the first thing that we see is that Jesus moves in accordance with our faith. You know, the man believed that Jesus would heal his daughter with a touch, and that's what Jesus did. The woman believed that Jesus could heal if she just touched him, and that's what Jesus did. A few weeks ago, we read about a centurion, though, 
And he asked Jesus to heal, and he healed with just a word. Does that mean that maybe he had more faith? You know, we often think of faith as a power source, determining what God can do through us. More faith, more power to do stuff. And that's why we say spiritually stupid things. Like, if you had prayed and fasted more, they wouldn't have died. And if you spent more time in Scripture, you read your Bible more, you wouldn't be depressed. That's not how any of this works. And it shows that we have a fundamental misunderstanding of Jesus' authority. You know, another king, Martin Luther King, said that we must accept finite disappointment but never lose infinite hope. The king knew something we didn't. He knew that the ending is up to God, not your faith. So if your faith doesn't work miracles, then what does it do? Well, faith is more like a vision board. Whatever you put on your vision board and plan for, you will most likely accomplish as long as it's possible. Inversely, you probably won't get whatever you don't plan for because you won't even go for it. Whatever you ask God for in faith, you will receive as long as it is in his will. So let's make this thing clear. Jesus heals the woman and the man's daughter because he wanted to. Our faith doesn't dictate what God can do in our lives. Rather, it indicates what we'll ask him to do. And I'm glad because my faith isn't always as strong as what I'm asking God to do. So here's my question to you. What are you leaving off the board when you approach God? What is it that you think, and that isn't Jesus' job, I should just... I just got to try harder. What is it that you think he wouldn't care about this? And I need you to understand something that even before you bring it to him, he's already moving. You just can't see it yet. Faith isn't something that we produce that allows God to move forward. Faith is something God gives us that allows us to move forward. And Jesus moves in accordance with our faith. And that's good news because you know what that means? It means that you have enough faith for your next step right now. But our faith requires action. You know, faith in Jesus will flip your traditions, your limitations right on their head. And I had wondered when I was reading this passage what Matthew is trying to show us through the story of the bleeding woman, because, you know, these books are written by authors who put things in a certain order to show us a certain message. So what was it that Matthew was trying to tell us here? So seeing as I am, I study the word, but I am not a biblical scholar. I went to soniclight.com, sonic as in the restaurant, light as in Jesus, the light of the world, dot com. It's a free resource online, and I started to read the study notes on this passage from Dr. Thomas L. Constable. 
And it reminded me that in Jewish tradition, having an issue of bleeding would have made someone ceremonially unclean. See, they would have had to wash themselves and go through this ritual in order to interact with the community or to come back into Jesus's presence. So the problem was she had had this problem for 12 years. That's 12 years without being able to come into community. There was no way for her to get herself clean and to return to Jesus's presence, to God's presence. So when she touched Jesus, what should have happened from their perspective is that it would have made Jesus unclean. But instead, God's power flowed through Jesus and instead of making him unclean, it made her whole. Flip it. Some of us won't bring our mess to community to get healed because we think we'd ruin the group. We think we can sully Jesus. But the problem is that we can't get ourselves clean. So you keep struggling with the same sin, the same shame over and over, the same faulty thinking, the same lack of confidence over and over. When Jesus is saying, just come into contact with me. The woman evidently believed that Jesus would heal her before she touched him, but nothing happened until she got to him. As I was reading, I had to ask, why? Because Jesus moves according to faith. And our faith requires action. You may believe that God can fix your marriage, but if you ain't willing to go to counseling, if you ain't willing to apply for the job, to apply for college, if you ain't willing to show up to the doctor, James 2, 14 through 18 says that faith without works is dead and useless. Faith requires action. And Jesus moves in accordance with our faith because he has the authority over our trials, our treatment, and our tragedies. So I had to ask myself a question. Why do we spend so much time not getting our needs met? I think it's the same reason that Matthew keeps ending all these great miracle stories with the same situation. We tend to reject Jesus' authority. Here's the kicker, and I'm almost done. I figured I understood why Matthew included the piece at the end about the Pharisees being salty. I mean, they said that it was Satan that caused the miracles. They were being mad. He wanted us to see who the bad guys were. At least that's what I thought. But what I was confused by was that why would he put in this passage about the blind men? Do you realize that the blind men were the first people in the passage to disobey Jesus? Look at the text. Jesus warns them specifically, do not go out and tell anyone about what happened. Keep this to yourself. But what did they do? They went off in told everyone about what happened and nothing happens. Then I made a connection. The blind men rejected Jesus' authority because just like the Pharisees, they thought they knew how God should move better than he did. We often bring our problems to God, ignore his response, 
and still think we're good because nothing happens. We don't get outed for our secret sin. The relationship doesn't break completely. We see God's grace as his permission to reject his authority. In the same way that we think that our faith is what heals us, we think that an absence of immediate consequences equals God's acceptance of our disobedience. And it slowly starts to shift our hearts until we end up giving God's glory to the enemy. You ever had something happen in your life and you're like, God, why? Why would you ever do this this way? Just this last week, um, we had a number of leaders who were out and had to be out. Some of them I knew about. Some of them it was a change. And so we're supposed to have current every Thursday. And we usually don't have current on Thursdays where we have parent-teacher conferences because a lot of us will need to be out. Kids won't be able to come through. And so I was like, cool. We usually cut, but next week we have something going on, so we have to cancel. I didn't want to cancel twice in a row. I want to be there for our kids. So we're like, all right, we're going to have current this week. That day at 3.30, I was like, we can't have current today. (laughs) And so I had to cancel. I was like, God, dang it, man. Like, why would this happen? And what's going on? And that night, we ended up meeting new students that night. We ended up speaking into people's lives that night. We ended up having people who had been trying to come, who came for the first time. We had pizza, and all we did was set up all the chairs that you're sitting in right now. Something happens every time we call them. In the moment, I was like, man, this is wrong. This is the work of the enemy. And God was like, no, that's not the enemy. That's me. When our hearts are shifting, God be moving and we're like, that is the devil. (laughs) But unlike what we would see with a good movie, the Pharisees didn't get what was coming to them. Praise the Lord. You know what they did get? an opportunity to receive everlasting life. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I'm going to try that one more time. Don't worry about what? Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then, You will experience God's what? Peace, Peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If you spend any time with me, you know that I quote that verse all the time. And I think the reason that I love it so much is because I don't believe it. I mean, I rationally believe it. I think it's. True, but as all of you know, I have been known to suffer from anxiety. I have since I was a little kid, and there's some reasons for that. Therapy aside, trauma aside, medications aside, when I find that I am at my most anxious, I stop and actually ask myself the question out loud, have you prayed about this? And undoubtedly, almost every time, the answer is no. Why? Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of whatever it is. And the truth is, is that in that moment, I don't think I can do what it takes to make the situation right, even with God on my side. 
I reject Jesus' authority because in the moment, I'm scared to follow the king. And it reveals that I trust his power, but I'm still committed to my own way. How many people have gotten a delayed blessing because I was too caught up trying to be God to be obedient to his will? How many circumstances and situations in your life have you gone through with utter hopelessness because you were trying to be God? Sometimes we see situations all wrong. And the Pharisees saw Jesus all wrong. They thought he was supposed to be a conquering king, someone who was untouchable, who would punish the sinners, who would rule over their enemies. And instead, what they got was a king who was a sacrificial lamb, who brought the dead things back to life in his presence, who came to fix what was broken, a.k.a. them, and who would free those who were in bondage. I'm so glad they got it wrong because I'm the enemy and Jesus is a whole other animal in Jewish tradition they would sacrifice animals in order to cover their sin sin always required a payment of death when someone was ceremonially unclean they were removed from God's presence and part of the process of restoring them was for them to sacrifice the blood of an animal often a lamb The scriptures called Jesus the Lamb of God. That woman couldn't make Jesus unclean because it was his very purpose to take on our imperfections. Jesus would later go on to the cross to be murdered as a sacrifice to cover our sins. And God knew that we couldn't get ourselves clean. He knew that we were functionally dead in our sins and we were removed from his presence and his power, unable to see his will or our own value. So he sent his son to cover us in his blood. Jesus died, then he rose again from the grave, proving once and for all that he has the authority over life and death. Some of us feel like our circumstances are life and death. And you might be right, but Jesus even has the authority over that. And he said, whoever puts in him their faith, whoever puts their faith into action by following him, acknowledging him, would be cleansed of their sin and given eternal life. That's the big picture. Today, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. And if you do, let us know today by texting the word C-O-N-N-E-C-T. That's connect to 785 432-4544. We don't want anything from you. We'll have someone on the other line to connect with you and help you take whatever your next step is. Ain't that right, church? Amen. Amen. If you're here and you've been holding out on Jesus, you've been keeping a part of your life from his authority, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to force you. I'm here to invite you to lay down that weight. You can try to get yourself right, but honestly, you don't have the authority. It's not your job. Bring it to Jesus. 
bring it to the community of believers and come in contact with the king. He came to take your mess and to make you whole. Let him be the king. Let's pray together. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for loving us so much that even when we not only reject your authority, but we reject you. That you make a way for us to come to you, that you're always accessible. As easy as it is for us to cut off people who have harmed us, who we see as no longer being useful to us, but our plans. Lord, we disrupt your plan at every turn and you continue to just love us. Open arms. Thank you. Today, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice who hasn't acknowledged you as their Lord and Savior, who hasn't put their faith in you, stepped across the line of faith, Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them today. Be through the message, through the songs, through someone else, speak to them today. Let them know that they can respond to you. They can give that over to you right now. Lord Jesus, even for those of us who have put our faith in you, sometimes, Lord, we pick up our cross and then pick our burdens right back up on top of it. Lord, you never intended for us to carry that weight. Let us hear your voice calling us today, inviting us today to rest. Not to stop, but to rest. To continue walking down this path of life with you being blessed and blessing others in return. Jesus, we love you. Help us to submit to your authority. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. We give you all the praise. And as we lift our voices up in song, we begin by saying, amen.